from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta. Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Good morning. My name is Natalia, and I will be reading Isaiah 25, verses 6 through 9 in Ukrainian. Um, in your bulletin, you will find it printed in English. Naci hori Hospot u samohutni zbere usi narodi na banket. Tam bude nižne mjaso i vyšukani vina. Zaraz pokrov, što smertju zvetja, nakrivaje vsi narodi. Він знищить смерть навіки. Господь володар мій, на кожному обличчі витре сльози. Він звільнить землю від ганьби свого народу. Отак пообіцяв Господь. І скажуть люди, гляньте, ось наш Господь. Його чекали ми, він прийшов нас врятувати. Це наш Господь, на нього ми чекали. Давайте ж веселіться і радіти, коли він нас рятує. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Natalia. I know your bulletin says that Meredith will be reading um, the second passage in French, but she has been homesick all week. Um, and so we wish her a speedy recovery. I instead will be reading it, not in French, but in English for us. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. This is the word of the Lord. I am a little bit of a movie buff, um, although not as much anymore because there's not a lot worth seeing these days, unfortunately but maybe more in the past. So, you know, movies like, um, like Citizen Kane with Orson Welles, the one where you find out that Rosebud was his childhood sled that burned in a fire. Or The Sixth Sense, where at the end of the movie you learn that the character, the therapist played by Bruce Willis was actually dead the entire movie. Don't you hate it? when someone ruins the story by telling you the end? Isn't that awful? I'm not sorry. 
But what if you know the end? You see, if you watch a movie a second or third time, or you read a book another time, you do so with different eyes. Ah, that conversation. In light of knowing what happens at the end, it changes the way I look at it. Or that event, all the things that take place are altered by your understanding of what happens at the end of the story. What if we knew how our stories ended? Heaven, eternity, the other side, what's there? How will this story end? What will it be like? What if you and I knew how the story ended? Well, that's exactly what Isaiah and John, the writer of Revelation, have given to us. They give us a little glimpse, a vision of the end of the story. It's like this curtain gets pulled back and we're invited by these authors to look in and to see the end of the story. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The dwelling of God is with people. God will live with us. Isaiah talks about this great feast that's going to be on the mountain. Both of the authors describe that God will wipe away tears. No more death. No more mourning or sorrow or shame. The old order has passed away and God says, I am making all things new. The end of the story is wonderful and joyful, and appealing, and delightful. The end of the story is good. It is inviting, and I want that. So what does that have to do with mission? Here on Global Mission Sunday, here's how I see it. In the end, everything is good. The end of the story is good and whole. Right now, everything is not good and whole. So this isn't the end of the story. Mission is what we engage in, how we view things while we're on the journey to the end of the story. Mission is how we live today knowing the end. We tell others about it and we invite them to come along and we have this privilege. God invites us to, to partner with him. God is in the business of restoring and bringing all things to this good ending and he invites us to join in with that and be part of that. We know where we're going and that is secured and anchored in the cross of Christ. And knowing that affects how we look at things today. So we bring others along. Privileged to share this ending with others and to invite them, but especially to talk to and invite those who are on the outside, those who are on the margins, those who maybe haven't been told or haven't experienced a God of love and grace who don't know that the story has this beautiful ending. This vision, Isaiah and Revelation, this vision becomes our mission. 
and we live as a church with a mission identity. Not mission activities, a mission identity to love like Jesus until the end of the story. A number of years ago, I read an article by a man named Alan Roxborough, and he talked about the missional church and what, what it means to be a missional church and what the, the hallmarks of that might be. And, and it had a very profound impact on me. Um, he talks about how the church should be a sign, should be a foretaste of what is to come. That the, the, the beautiful story that's at the end, people get a little bit of a taste of that today by how we act toward one another and how we act toward the world. Roxborough talks about how mission is not a program of the church. Mission is the purpose of the church. We don't do mission activities. We have a mission identity. Mission is not carried out by a few people who say, hey, that's my thing. But every one of us, every one of us is commissioned, called by God, every one of us, as part of a missionary society that's sent into the world. I think that so often churches, uh, and, and in my experience, particularly the North American church, ha has bought into a lot of the teaching of the culture. And what we see very often in churches is what we could identify as a spiritual food court. I believe I'll have some of this. Uh, that's not for me. I don't like that. I might try this for one time. And it's all about me. And it's all about what I want. And it's all about what I get from things. It's human-centered instead of being God-centered. Friends, I want to challenge us from this day forward to never again talk about church as what I get out of it. Ah, that was a great sermon that Tony preached. The choir sure was pleasing to listen to, weren't they? I really enjoyed that or really appreciated that. Instead, I challenge us to look at church as what I bring to it so that I can be fed and then sent as a missionary into the world. The church is a sending agency. The church is a sending agency. And we come here to be equipped and to be filled so that we can go out into God's world to seek the lost and to love them so that they know how the story ends. Our whole purpose is to love others enough that they will come to know the end of the story. How would we do that? What are the steps we ought to take? What are the pieces we need to put in place to have this kind of mission identity? Well, there really are not a lot of requirements. It's not complicated at all. In fact, there's only one thing that we would go out and love like Jesus loved. On the last night when, of his life on earth, when Jesus was with his disciples, 
He said, I'm going to give you a new commandment. Now, remember, these were people who knew the Old Testament law, 600 plus commandments and prohibitions. They knew all of that. And Jesus said, I'm going to give you a new commandment. And it's this, love each other. And then he said, the way that I have loved you, that's how I want you to love other people. And then he said this, everyone out there will know that you belong to me. Everyone out there will identify you as one of mine by how you love them. He basically said, I just want you to go out and be the most loving group in all the world. He did not say, I want you to go out and be the best looking group in all the world or the smartest group in all the world or the richest group that gives the most money in all the world. He simply said, I want you to go out and be the most loving people anywhere. So loving that other people notice it. And it had an impact on them. And they did it. They lived as the Jesus community. They looked at Jesus and they saw Jesus loved sinners. Jesus loved Gentiles. Jesus loved lepers. Jesus loved prostitutes. So we're going to love them also. Anyone who encountered Jesus, forgiveness and new life flowed from that encounter. And so they sought for that to be the same. When just before Jesus died, he promised the Holy Spirit. And then uh, 50 days after his resurrection at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given. And that community came alive with God's Spirit as they sought to be like Jesus and to love like Jesus. And they took people who were literally on the margins of society. History tells us that um, people in communities those days who got sick were carried out of the community and left on the side of the road. And the history tells us that the Christians went out and picked them up and carried them home and put them in their houses and cared for them. They took people and welcomed them and loved them and introduced them to the cross and told them about Jesus so that they could also know about the end of the story. We cannot romanticize the early church. Goodness knows they had problems. They had a lot of division among themselves. But they did try to do what Jesus did and what Jesus asked them to do. They reached out in ministry to the world, and the world was changed because of them. Our world that we live in is a long history of war and division and battles over boundary lines and killing people because you're not like me. And sadly, there are many who have done that in the name of Christianity, and that does not honor God. But throughout history, throughout the last 2,000 years, there have been Jesus people who've said, our leader's final command is to love. And so we're going to try to be the kind of community that loves. We're going to be the kind of people who believe that God sends us to the world to love and to let that change the world because they are invited to also know the end of the story.
And my question for all of us this morning, friends, do we believe that God can do that today? Can God still raise up a community of Jesus followers, people who know how the story ends, and so that impacts and changes the way they look at the world, and it drives everything they do. People who love without exception. People who keep on loving in spite of the obstacles. People who keep on loving in spite of being mocked or laughed at. That when other people say, that didn't make a lot of sense what you're doing, say, ah, I'm just going to keep on loving. To love one another, to love God's world, because that's what Jesus commanded us to do. In my less than one year with you at First Presbyterian, I've seen a church that is trying to do that. It's not perfect, but I see you. I see you loving our neighbors. I see you loving the people of Kenya and Cuba and Haiti and refugees. I see you trying to love like Jesus loved. And that's what I want to be a part of. You know, the church, the church is the hope of the world. Goodness knows government isn't the hope of the world. Nor is corporate America the hope of the world. Nor is philanthropy or charity the hope of the world. Only the church has been trusted with the good news. The good news of God's grace and love in Jesus Christ. The good news of how the story ends. And that's the news that the world is waiting to hear. That's the news the world is longing for. And so God sends us. Every one of us. Remember, the church is a sending agency. God sends us into the world. Some of us, God sends to our next door neighbor. Others, God might send to a classmate or a coworker. Sometimes God sends someone to another nation. But God calls and sends every one of us to go out into the world and to love like Jesus loved and to keep on doing that again and again and again until we get to the end of the story. That, my friends, is mission. In the late, the late second century, early third century, there was a, a church father, a, a historian, a writer. He, he wrote a lot by the name of Tertullian. And in one of his writings, the apology, um, an apology is a defense of the gospel. It is not a, a, an I'm sorry. In the apology number 39, he says this. It is our care for the helpless our practice of loving kindness that brands us in the eyes of our opponents. Only look, they say, 
Look at how they love each other. Look at how they're prepared to die for one another. It's because they know how the story ends. They want to love others enough to invite them to it. I close with this story. A number of years ago, I was at a Presbyterian Educators Conference in Chicago. And one day, I was walking down the street in, uh, in downtown Chicago. And I saw up ahead, uh, maybe a block or half a block, I saw this man. And he was kind of walking towards me, but very slowly. Because on the very crowded street, everyone he passed, he stopped. And he talked. And he grabbed them. And he would say something. And he, he was trying to tell something to every single person. And I kind of chuckled to myself and thought, this is going to be interesting. And so when I got closer, I heard what he was saying to everybody. There's a free lunch around the corner. Hey, go around the corner. They're giving away a free lunch. Oh, don't miss this. You don't want to miss this. Go around the corner. They're giving away a free lunch. Wow. Okay. I'll go see. So I walked around the corner, and there was a restaurant there. And do you know what they were doing? They were giving away a free lunch to everybody. It was a brand new restaurant, and in order to train their staff, to train their waiters and waitresses and, and, and cooking staff and everything, they needed practice. And so anybody who came in, they would get practiced on, and that lunch was free. And that man on the street, he didn't work for them. He wasn't out there advertising. He was a man who had gotten a free lunch, and he couldn't help but tell other people about it. He was so excited that he went out to tell everyone the good news. Around the corner wasn't the end of the story, but around the corner was the next piece of the story. And it so changed him that he wanted everyone, everyone to know about it. May that be you and me together doing the same for Christ's glory. Amen.
Wow.